We'll take our text this morning from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 10. We will be concluding our series on the Beatitudes. This is the last Beatitude here, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We'll go ahead and read verse 11 and 12 as well. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This beatitude's a little different than the other seven. We look at those other seven attributes and we think they seem so positive. Qualities like meekness and humility, purity, mercy. These are all qualities we would strive for. We would say these characteristics are good and we would endeavor to have these things, even seek for them. Who here seeks persecution? You do, there's something wrong with you. And that's not what the scripture is suggesting here either. We don't go around with some kind of a martyr complex or going around looking for persecution. Yet this is the beatitude that Christ ended with. Some commentaries say if you take this whole series and you look at it as spiritual mountain climbing, this is the pinnacle of the Christian experience. To be counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ, to some is the highest form of honor that a person can can give or go through. You know, the Lord didn't say, blessed are they which are persecuted. He said the key is for righteousness' sake. You know, not all persecution is blessed of God. There's no blessing or merit for suffering because of unrighteous or bad behavior. The world has gotten this turned around. They want to give everybody uh, some kind of a victim status. You hear the excuses. I read of a man one time trying to offer an excuse to his employer for being late. And he said, I would have been here on time. But I got stuck behind somebody driving the speed limit. Ridiculous. That never would fly. You know, if you're going through an intersection and you're in a hurry and you decide to blow a red light and you barrel through the intersection. If a police officer pulls you over and writes you a ticket. You're not suffering for righteousness sake. You're getting what you deserved. Peter gives us a whole list of behaviors that will cause us to suffer. Part of the scripture reading, 1 Peter 4.15, he said, But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer. Those things are pretty self-explanatory. Fourth one's very interesting. He says, Don't suffer as a busybody in other men's matters. Interesting, he would put that in the same category as thieves and murderers and evildoers. It's a serious thing. Proverbs 26.7 expands a little further on that thought. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Not a good idea. It's not recommended. It's dangerous to take a dog by the ears. When you turn him loose, he's going to bite you. 
You can't hold on to them forever. So you're kind of in a predicament. You know, what do you do? It's kind of like the man who gets himself involved in business that doesn't belong to him. Before you know it, you're in deeper uh, than you would hope to be and getting yourself out of that problem can be kind of uh, cause some trouble. So the Bible says don't be guilty for uh, being a busybody or suffering for it. Excuse me, First Peter 2.20 says, For what glory is it if ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. If you're disciplined or you're reprimanded for a mistake or a failure, take it patiently. You had it coming. Hopefully you'll learn from it and do better next time. But it says, But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Why is this acceptable? Well, at this point, we're following Christ's example. It tells us in 2.21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. If you're doing what Christ did and you're following in his steps, you will be blessed. It may be physically unpleasant, but God will bless you for it. The fact is, suffering for wrongdoing or personal failure is not the same thing. Suffering for a cause, even a good cause, isn't the same as suffering for righteousness' sake. You know, there are people that take good causes way too far. They could become overzealous in supporting a cause. You know, God won't ever endorse lawlessness or violence. He won't. Word to God says to live peaceably among all men. We ought to obey the laws of the land. Uh, so we're to do everything we can to abide by the laws of the land. The only time civil disobedience is ever blessed by God is if it's in direct contradiction to God's law and God's word. Other than that, we obey. We don't become unruly in trying to uh, promote a cause. What does it mean to suffer for righteousness' sake? Well, we need to consider what that word righteous means. It's acting in accord with divine law, free from guilt or sin. So we must be righteous in order to suffer for righteousness' sake. There's no guilt or shame in suffering in this way. First Peter 4.16 says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but glorify God on this behalf. Suffering for righteousness means willing uh, to suffer for living our lives by the word of God. Living free from sin, living holy and upright, Embracing purity. Second Timothy 3, verse 12 and 13 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Living a holy life will bring persecution from the world. Holiness and purity by its very nature is the antithesis of anything unrighteous or unclean. They're so opposed, it can't help but bring persecution from the world. But you know, that's the only way our lives will please God. 
It's the only way we'll ever see God. The Bible tells us, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Be holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's not talking about human perfection. It's talking about moral perfection, being perfect and upright in your motives before the Lord. You know, persecution has always been one of the main ways the gospel has been spread. Clear throughout history, biblical history and human history has proven it over and over. What the enemy would take is something bad that would try to stamp out the name of Christianity. The Lord has actually used it to promote and spread the gospel. As the early church was scattered because of persecution, they took the message with them and it spread. Persecution may come in different forms. It may be physical. It may be emotional. You may be ostracized or rejected. It might even be financial. But you know, the Word of God gives us a wonderful promise. Psalm 34, 19 says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth out of them all. Out of all of them. Sometimes we have to endure some persecution. Sometimes we may not always see immediate results. We need to hang on. The Bible says this, hold fast. Let no man take your crown. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. I thought of Brother Gumbo's testimony. I read it even this morning. He uh, told about the time when he was in college and he became deathly ill. He was paralyzed on one side and they thought he was going to die. Nobody knew what was wrong with him. And so he was in the infirmary at the college where he was attending. And so the principal of the school came along and said, you can't stay here. We're going to have to load you up and take you to the bus stop and send you home. Well, the night before, somebody had handed him an apostolic faith paper and he read testimonies about people who were saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, people that had been healed. And he began to pray. And he began to call out to the Lord. knew nothing about the gospel. Well, they carried him to the bus stop the next day. And as he was laying there at the terminal waiting for the bus to arrive, he began to pray. And he said, Lord, if you're real, if what I've heard about is true... And if you'll heal me and save me, I'll give you all the glory and I'll serve you the rest of my life. There at the bus terminal, the Lord healed him instantly, saved him. Said he jumped up and he started telling everybody at the terminal what the Lord had done, thanking the Lord. When the bus came, he thought, I'm not going back to the college. He wanted and he, he looked up an address and he found where the Apostolic Faith Church was there in Zimbabwe. And he had him take him there. Told Brother Singayo, what had happened, and they rejoiced together, stayed another week. The Lord sanctified them there at the mission. Finally, he went back to that college a week later, enthusiastic about what the Lord had done, showed himself to the principal and told the principal what had happened, that the Lord had saved him and healed him. And you know what that principal said? I don't believe it. Tried to discredit his testimony. This was a religious school. But nothing like this had ever happened. Well, that didn't damper his enthusiasm. He began to witness to the students there at the college. Pretty soon they were praying. Many of them, he said, were out in the bush praying to be saved. It got so bad that they had to close down classes. There were too many students outside of the classroom praying to be saved. 
So the instructor came again and said, you have to stop this. You're confusing the students. Put more pressure on them. He said he felt like the disciples when they said, uh, not to preach in my name, he said, I have to obey God rather than man. Well, at time, uh, those, that principle was replaced and another man came and, you know what, he encouraged them to have those services. And he endorsed what they were doing so that the God turned a, a, a difficult situation around. Well, later, he went to get a job and he got a job at a bank and he said trouble came up. And the supervisor wanted to force him to resign. But two days before he was supposed to turn in his resignation, uh, somebody from the main bank office, the branch, came and they inspected the whole bank and they gave him the highest recommendation. So the very one that wanted to get rid of him had to tell him, we're actually promoting you. Kind of reminds me of Haman and Mordecai a little bit. So the Lord blessed him. Went to another bank. He was handed a keys to the company car, but he didn't have a license, so they had to hire him a chauffeur to drive him around. The Lord blessed him. But then other trouble came up. Somebody accused him falsely of doing something he didn't do. He was told to come and turn in his keys. Met with the bank board there, and after explaining the situation, they moved him to another section of the bank and promoted him again. The Lord did that. He had to face his family. He said after he completed his education, he had to go home and his family worshipped ancestral spirits. Very pagan culture. And he had to go back and face that family and tell them, I'm not going to do those things anymore. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. The Lord saved me. When you pray to your spirits, don't mention my name. Had to forsake his family. Prayed for many years. No doubt under persecution at times. He said in time... 45 of his immediate family members came to know the Lord. He says the biggest miracle was in 1999 when his own mother was saved at 100 years of age. And she lived, believe it or not, believe it because it's true, she lived to be 113. And she died with the victory. The Lord did that. But he had to endure some persecution to see uh, the efforts paid off. You know, God has a way to deliver his people out of all kinds of problems. Sometimes the Lord chooses not to answer that way. Sometimes people are even delivered through death. But even in that, the Lord knows how to deliver the righteous. Even in death, the Christian is victorious. Paul said to live as Christ, to die as gain. Look at what Stephen, look at his example. His crime was he told the truth. And it convicted those Jews, those scribes, and those Pharisees. And they took him out and they stoned him to death. But he left this world with a praise on his lips. He said, Lord, receive my spirit. And he said, uh, Lord, don't lay this sin in their charge. You think about that vision Stephen had. He said as he was breathing his last breath, he looked up. He saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. You know, you read every other account, it says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's significant. Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father. No doubt, standing to welcome Stephen when he came through to heaven. God helped him. God delivered him. God could do the same, but we must endure. We must endure. You know, to preach the gospel of holiness and purity isn't popular today. There's no such thing as a sinning Christian. Regardless of what much of the Christian community says, you can't sin and be a Christian. 
doesn't matter what man says. It matters what God says. 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord cleans us up, takes the sin out. Again, chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Word of God is very clear. Thankfully, true salvation saves us from our sins. It's a gospel of victory. Thank God for it. We don't apologize for that. God can help us, and he will. If a message like that brings ridicule or scorn or persecution, so be it. The preaching on the cross is foolishness to those that perish, but to those who are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. Thankful for this gospel. You know, speaking the truth will bring persecution. Jesus says we're to speak the truth in love. Jesus loved people too much to not tell them the truth. I think about some issues that plague the so-called Christian community today. You speak about adultery. You know what? That's going to bring some persecution. People have wanted to redefine that. They wanted to say it doesn't mean what it says. But again, it doesn't matter what man says. It matters what God says. Mark 10, 11 and 12 says, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery with her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. God's word is very clear. He doesn't talk about special circumstances or certain situations. God's word is God's word. You know, during the early start of our work, Sister Crawford was approached by a businessman one time, and he made her an offer. He said, I can finance this work for the rest of your life. You won't have to worry about any money, but you have to stop talking about sin, and you have to stop preaching against adultery. Well, of course, thank the Lord, she said, nothing doing. We're standing by God's word. You know what? We're here today. Thank God the gospel hasn't changed. You know, a few years ago, I met with a man to discuss, he was helping me with some business uh, situation, and I got to talking to him. He was a very prominent member of his church, and they were quite a large church, and he told me they had a dilemma. He said they were trying to figure out how to use people from the LGBT community to be a part of their work. And he asked me, he says, what do you guys do at your church? How do you include them in the work? You know, I was thankful to say, we don't do anything with them. We let God deal with them. But to be involved in the Lord's work, you have to be born again. You have to be saved. You have to be delivered from your sin and set free. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the truth. The Word of God says all unrighteousness is sin. This isn't just targeting a couple of different sins. You know, the man that cheats on his taxes is just as guilty as the idolater or the whoremonger or anyone else on that list. 
God delivers from all sin. You know, there's a place for every sinner in the gospel. It's at the foot of the cross. That's where it starts. That's where it starts for us. That's where it starts for everybody. Praying through to a genuine experience of salvation. Being delivered from your sin. You know, people will say you're narrow-minded and intolerant. Even dogmatic. Well, thank the Lord. So we are. You know, when it comes to sin and unrighteousness, Jesus was the most narrow-minded and intolerant of them all. He told those over and over as he delivered them, he said, go and sin no more. You must be born again. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's the message that Christ preached. Sometimes it wasn't well received. But you know, it says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Jesus loved people too much to not tell them the truth. You know, by nature, truth is intolerant. There's only one truth. If a teacher stands up in front of a classroom and tells her students two plus two is four, is she being intolerant or narrow-minded? No, she's telling the truth. There is no other truth. God's word is the truth. He says, you must be born again. No man can come to the Father any other way. There's no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved. It's through Jesus Christ, through his blood. That's the gospel message. Jesus didn't teach a message of tolerance and acceptance. He preached repentance and deliverance, freedom from sin. God help us. We don't want to apologize for this gospel. If it brings a reproach, if it brings some ridicule from the world, Thank the Lord. Amen. It tells us we're on the right track. Satan hates holiness. He'll do anything he can to fight against it. God help us. We want to remain firm. Share a quote with you here. It says, It's better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It's better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than to speak falsehood that comforts and kills. Thank God for this gospel. We want to endure. We want to hold fast. You know, there's one guaranteed way to avoid persecution for righteousness' sake. This persecution is only promised for all who would live godly in this life. You know what? You can compromise. You can settle for something less. You can live in defeat instead of victory. But you know what? You'll pay for that decision. You'll pay for that decision in the life to come, and that decision results in a lost eternity. And you'll forfeit that promise that Jesus spoke of when he said, uh, you can see the kingdom of heaven if you deny the Lord and you live like the world, it's going to cost you. Serving the Lord will cost us as well. Jesus Christ laid it all out. You know, the cost of discipleship is the same today as it always was. The Lord told us in Matthew 17, verse 24 and 26, He said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, the requirements for serving the Lord, haven't changed. 
The cost of discipleship is the same today as it's always been. But you know what? God's promises are also the same. God's promises don't change. The Word of God says if we endure to the end, we shall be saved. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That is the eternal hope of every believer. You know, the reward of heaven will more than compensate for anything we may have to give up in this life to serve the Lord. And God can help us. God can bless us. If you don't have that hope of heaven in your heart, I'll tell you, you can't put a price on that. You can't. To have that peace of knowing your sins are forgiving, knowing that in a moment of time, if you stood before the Lord, there would be nothing to take care of. God can settle that account this morning. If you don't have that peace, God can help you. You have to be willing to pay the price, but God will bless you. God will compensate you here in this life. The Lord will help you. If you're willing to commit your life to the Lord today, the Lord will help you. He'll save you. The Lord can sanctify you wholly. You know, one of the best tools for withstanding persecution is the Holy Spirit. You look at the results it had in Peter's life. You look at Peter's life before Pentecost and after Pentecost. Before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he denied the Lord in front of a little maiden. After Pentecost, as he repented and the Lord filled him with the Holy Spirit, he said he stood up and preached. There's been an accused him of being drunk and he preached the gospel. 3,000 souls were saved that day. There's power, power to withstand, power to endure. And it's here for us today. God has promised it. God help you. God bless you. Let's come and pray the song. It's 567.